Good morning, folks, fellow Drop Zone fans. I am your co-host and captain, Sean Zock. Joined as always by Dylan DeChair, fresh off of a skiing trip. He did not hurt himself. He did not dislocate his shoulder, which makes one of us on the drop. I revisited zone. the site of your uh, your recent near demise, though, Sean. I didn't know exactly where it was, or I would have paid my respects. I did pay my respects to loyal drop zone listener Stephen Upton in the Denver area today. First, give me the two biggest stories of the golf week, and then I'll tell you what I saw on my plane ride home. Yeah, I'm going to give you the biggest stories of the week. Generally, we alternate them, but the top two, I'm going to stick them both on my shoulders. They're Greg Norman. It's probably number two. Number one is Phil Mickelson. These two dudes, they did a lot of writing this week. Probably better golf writing than you and I did this week. We'll dive right into everything they said, everything they didn't say, who they apologized to, and who they who they got really serious about right here on the drop zone. Here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. All right, Sean, so about that plane ride, I boarded my United flight. And who did I see in 2A but a well-dressed gentleman wearing the same navy and light blue radmore cap that i'm wearing right now whoa Uh, this is a podcast so you can't really (laughs) see it most likely but sure enough it's got that beautiful radmore logo on the back uh what does this mean sean it means that the word is spreading it means that radmore golf the beautiful seattle-based golf apparel startup uh that is our wonderful sponsor is is making its way across the country. It means that our commitment to end microplastics is working. (laughs) And uh, the most sustainable golf brand in the world is, you know, catching on. You love to see it. I think that makes us the second most sustainable golf brand right behind the sponsor of our podcast. Uh, I appreciate the colors we're wearing right now. Pretty eco-friendly colors, green and blue, right? Our Radmore gear. The colors of Seattle, the colors of the earth. Um, what, what's been great about being sponsored is just how many people reached out and were like, hey, tell me more about this. You kind of align your podcast with uh, a brand that you respect and like, and suddenly your friends who trust you are like, get me in on this Radmore gear. And thankfully, we will. We will have drop zone discounts think, coming soon. Yeah. I hope one week from today, Sean, that we are going to be reading out a drop zone discount code on this very podcast. Uh, but yeah, we love these people. Uh, we love the brand. We love the clothes. So check out radmoregolf.com. That's R-A-D-M-O-R golf.com uh, and see what's popping. They're our sponsor. And we got a lot of talk about sponsors in this show. Uh, a, a, different, a different type of sponsor. Notably the sponsors who are ditching Phil Mickelson. Phil, oh boy, this is just like... <laughs> It's probably annoying our listeners at this point that we're discussing Phil Mickelson ad nauseum every single week. We have something to say about what he has said, but this has reached an absolute peak. Um, about a week ago, Dylan, as we were recording our podcast, Phil Mickelson was setting up and preparing his statement, his apology, which uh, did not include an apology to the PGA Tour. He yeah, very up much up for debate whether it was an apology or not. But yeah, go on. He very much apologized to Live Golf Investments, which 
not a lot of people know what Live Golf Investments is, but it is the the brand that is going to be funneling money into Phil Mickelson's pockets if he were to ever play the Saudi-backed league. Um, so he also apologized to his sponsors. He said, all of my partners that have backed me for a long time, it's okay if you want to get out now. Yes. I think that's that's the big debate that I received from all corners of my friend group this weekend is why are sponsors dropping Phil Mickelson for wanting to make more money? And I think that's the question of the week, right? At this point. Here's the question of the week from my perspective, Sean. Is Phil Mickelson being canceled? Is he getting canceled in real time? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. What's your response? I think he's, I think he's been canceled. I think a lot of people get canceled and there are layers to, to the canceling. Uh, there's, there's, and if so, then why, like what, explain it to me like I'm five. Why does Phil Mickelson, uh, beloved lifer of the PGA tour deserve to be canceled? Yeah. Well, you just said lifer of the PGA tour. He's, he's not really a lifer of the PGA Tour right now. I don't think the PGA Tour wants to be associated with Phil Mickelson right now. The reason why he is being canceled, has been quasi-canceled this week, he was trying to do what a lot of athletes do. Phil Mickelson was trying to make more money, right? That's the core thing here. Mm-hmm. Phil Mickelson sure. makes a lot of money. But Phil Mickelson, fresh off of winning the PGA Championship, the oldest uh, major champion of all time, last year, last May, nine months ago, he decided to kind of take that and run with it, go on an absolute heater and see what he could do and press the PGA Tour for a, a more equitable distribution, I guess, of the PGA Tour's revenue. Now, the PGA Tour has you know, 200 to 215 members. They are a nonprofit organization. They have to lift up the game as part of their ethos, but also, you know, not treat any of their tour members all too differently than each other. Phil Mickelson wants to be treated differently. He wants to make, uh, I guess, more money for finishing T10 than if our boy Martin Trainer finishes T10. That is not equitable for Phil Mickelson. Um, he says, I put people in the stands, people buy tickets because they want to watch me play. Phil Mickelson is not wrong in that sense. Our guy, Martin Chainer, is people are not buying tickets to go watch Martin play. I wish Sean, I'm glad <laughs> I wish they were. I'm glad that you mentioned Martin Trainer because I would like to pause you there and insert this week's Martin Trainer fact. Uh, <laughs> and this is a it's Recurring a doozy bit. of one this week. Shout out to Martin Trainer who just this weekend posted back-to-back top 50 finishes for the first time in his PGA Tour career. <laughs> T43, thanks to a nice round at the Honda Classic today, wow. in which he made seven birdies, four bogeys, and a double bogey. A classic <laughs> roller coaster. <laughs> a, ride on, <laughs> a ride on the crazy train that is Martin Trainer. Uh, anyway, and that was Martin Trainer facts. Back to Phil. Shout out to Martine. Um, yes. So Phil thinks that's not equitable. And I think Phil Mickelson is correct in that. Phil Mickelson wants the media rights that the PGA Tour owns. Like a lot of sports leagues own their media rights. The NFL owns the broadcast of every single NFL game played all year round. The PGA Tour owns every single shot that Phil Mickelson hits on 
PGA Tour tournaments during PGA Tour events year round. What does the PGA Tour do with that? They will sell it to various entities. They'll sell highlights packages, whatever. At this point, the PGA Tour does not redistribute that money directly into Phil Mickelson's pockets. Phil Mickelson would like the PGA Tour to like, I don't know, create a revenue streams that do funnel directly into his pockets. Yeah. That that can be sold as NFTs, that can use the power of social media to make things more profitable for Phil Mickelson when he hits uh, the shot into Kiowa's 18th green during the PGA Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe not that event because that was run by the PGA of Not America. the PGA Tour, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Iconic film moments. There are many more of those than there are of others. And at this point, it's not happening. So Phil Mickelson's also not necessarily wrong for wanting that. But unlike a lot of other uh, athletes that want more money, Phil Mickelson decided to use a vehicle that I think is far more egregious than other athletes who are trying to get paid more money. Phil Mickelson decided to use the Saudi American or this Saudi American. Phil Mickelson decided to use money promised in millions and millions, actually net total of billions from the Saudi Arabian government to, to use leverage to make the PGA tour a better place. And not only did he do that and use that implied money, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't use any of it yet, but not only is that the implication, what is happening there is the vehicle is also a really vehicle. It is a vehicle that is trying to make a, a, a disturbing and abhorrent human rights record in its country not look so bad by having the best golfers on the planet, the best male golfers on the planet, kind of saddle up next to them. Like, hey, our tour is kind of sweet. And you know why our tour exists? The Saudi government. Why is that kind of sweet? Well, we're all having a lot more fun. We're making a lot more money. We're we're deciding to hype golf up and make it into this extremely exciting 48-man shotgun start field when you have teams and and uh, trash talk and all that kind of stuff, player jerseys, team jerseys, stuff like that. That's the vehicle Phil Mickelson chose. Phil Mickelson tried to sit down with Jay Monahan and it didn't work out for Phil Mickelson. So what did Phil Mickelson do? He decided to go in this direction. He decided to get tight with Greg Norman and he decided to tell Alan Shipnook about all of it, right? Alan Shipnook, a friend of the program, a friend of yours and mine who is a biographer at this point. He is writing Phil Mickelson's biography. It is written. It's done. Uh, I'm sure the finishing touches are being put on at this point, but he took a phone call from Phil who hadn't said a word for the biography to this point. And Phil unleashed. Phil spoke off the record, according to Alan Shipnook, a longtime award-winning journalist who you and I on trust. On the record. Yeah, on excuse record. me. Phil spoke on the record. He thinks it was off the record. I understand what Shipnook went through. He because- says he thinks it's off the record. <laughs> <laughs> we got to really be careful about how we talk about this one because All right. well, we're not going Phil to didn't refute. Court. Phil didn't refute anything that Alan reported. He just sort of implied that he thought it was off the record. So I'm not sure that anyone should really care. I mean, if he's yeah. saying that this is what he said and this is what he meant, I mean, is your issue really with 
the journalist beyond everyone's general distaste for people that do our jobs. Yes. And I would say this, if you, if you trust the drop zone, if you trust this and my end of the drop zone, I, I am not shocked that this happened because I have also had a conversation on the phone with Phil Mickelson out of nowhere. And that's kind of how it went. A lot of things were said occasionally at the end. It was like, yeah, well, you know, maybe don't report that or don't report this, whatever. Phil was feeling loose with his words, his thoughts, and the conversation ended up becoming a story. And it was picked up by the New York Times, the Washington Post. Eventually, it got to the point where Phil Mickelson's sponsors said, we're done. Or a lot of them. We don't want to be a part of this yeah. anymore. And Who's out? That, Let me throw them. Well, that is why I get asked the question, right? Is this a big deal? Is this a big enough deal that all these sponsors need to go out? The sponsors are out. Uh, KPMG, out. This is the brand that was embroidered across his forehead for the past decade. Workday, out. Am Still Light, out. And Phil gave all these people, all these brands an out. He said in his statement, look, if you yep. want out, you can get out. Callaway, probably the most significant one, has paused their relationship. That That line by Phil was a real like, I quit your fired situation because <laughs> talk about getting out ahead of it. Saying that you invite brands to feel welcome to pause or end their relationships is like exactly the sort of thing that you would want to do if you knew that the brands were about to end their relationships with you. Yeah. Anyway. And let, let's be honest about it. That's what happened. <laughs> like, yeah. We don't, we don't have to fluff around it. Phil decided to make, to be to, as smart as he could be about it. Um, so yeah. Callaway has paused their relationship with a guy who essentially had a lifetime sponsorship deal with with for his equipment with Callaway. Did they make the right call, Sean? Did are these brands are you know, are they justified in ending their relationships for all intents and purposes with Phil? I mean, you look I, at some something like what Justin Thomas did last year where he was, you know, caught uttering a homophobic slur yes. on camera. There are these, we're sort of used to these single transgressions, I guess, from golfers that are on the record and that are clear, this is bad things. Phil, I guess it's a little more gray area. So given that there's some gray, does he deserve this? In my opinion, I think any sponsor that wanted out 100% should have and and did the right thing because i think i'm trying to put on my sponsor hat here i'm trying to mm -hmm. act as though i am say the chief marketing officer of kpmg and i know my relationship our relationship with phil is very important but i know we pay phil a ton of money we pay phil a lot of money to wear that hat he's one of the only players in pro golf that wears kpmg across the front of his hat he, he is who they decided to align their money and their brand with. And he's generally been pretty good about it. But for like the last two months, it hasn't been so good. He's been speaking out against the PGA Tour, a brand that KPMJ has had a partnership with in the past. Phil is not only speaking out against the tour, but he's using just like his choice words were extremely harsh. Uh, they were intense. They... In addition to that, he was speaking against the PGA Tour like without facts, without fact-checking, the yeah. media rates discussion. That's like 
<laughs> this is like a, a, an extreme derivative of what Aaron Rodgers was doing, but Aaron Rodgers was spreading a bunch of BS earlier this year. And rightfully so, some of the sponsors with Aaron Rodgers like, look, we're out of here, dude. Like, we're not going to be involved with misinformation at this point, whether it's uh, completely intentional or otherwise. Like, Phil Mickelson, he was not being smart with his words. And then when maybe his worst words came out, his his worst words, but also his true intentions. I think mm-hmm. that's the point here, Dylan. Like, it, it kind of ruins the facade that he had built up that we had, a lot of us had believed. A lot of, a lot of, Golf fans and sports fans at large just believed Phil Mickelson to be the the thumbs up guy, right? The guy who's yeah. won a lot and is cheery and is playing really well at the end of his career and likes to thumbs up people. But yeah, that's not Phil Mickelson, and he showed it. I guess where I would push back, and I'm not even I'm not sure that I believe this, but just to kind of represent this counter argument, if Phil had not said this and not expressed his intentions and talked instead about growing the game and, you know, wanting to uh, help golf achieve its fullest potential and said that he's, you know, not a politician, he's a golfer and sort of stuck to those vague platitudes. None of this would have happened. Sure. Right. So nothing would have changed. And in fact, other, you know, co-conspirators, other golfers wanting to do the same thing would be able to take the same action with Phil as cover and maybe a couple of sponsors would wander out, you know, once the Saudi yeah. thing actually happened and, and sponsors that are tied to the PGA tour, which mm-hmm. of which there are definitely a, a large number, <laughs> uh, maybe they would be out, but it's the, it's the saying the quiet part out loud that seems no, like it's it screaming it. Phil. It's not saying it, it out loud. It's well, screaming it, it with the megaphone that was the New York Times and the Washington Post, the entirety of the golf world. And mind you, the other top 10 yeah. players in the world who said, yikes, man. Like Phil's comments, I, I was one floor above you reading them in bed on Thursday morning at the Genesis. And I knew that you were reading the same story downstairs in your bed. And I remember thinking, gosh, I wonder what this will mean today. And then the comments reached the PGA Tour players who had not even read them themselves, but had them read aloud during press conferences. And they said, yikes, man, that's why it's a big deal. Absolutely roasted Phil. I mean, I know we talked about this last week, so I don't want to just keep going. I I just can't remember hearing anything like what Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy said about Phil, uh, which really suggests that they were ready to say this about Phil. It's just, it's an interesting dynamic. And I I don't think that I would even necessarily say that Phil is being canceled. I think that I would probably stop short of that because most people are not even dialed in enough on this story to have this change their opinion on Phil one way or another. I think that's true. I mean, I think listeners, discerning listeners of the Drop Zone podcast, I think will, uh, this will further complicate their relationship with (laughs) Phil Mickelson, which maybe was complex to begin with. But I think the general public still just has more of like an avatar like vision of Phil Mickelson. Yeah. And, and so that's why all those questions came so. in, right? For me this weekend, I'm sure for you, like explain it. Why is this happening yes. to Phil? So I would, uh, yeah. And I would say Phil is, I don't think he's being canceled. I think it's like, well, 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 he's being if put it on isn't time the out. consequences <laughs> of my own actions. It's like, this is, this is. Phil Mickelson changing his branding from a guy that is a reliable, 
front man for KPMG to someone that is a wild card power broker on the world yeah. golf stage. I mean, mm-hmm. he's trying to be something completely different than the thumbs up, lovable loser guy that so much of the golf world fell in love with initially. And he's he's putting the scheming out in the open and people don't necessarily respond well to that. No. And you know what? A lot of athletes do that. <laughs> like this happens every free agency season. I don't want to liken these things super directly, but it happens NBA trade season. James Harden and Ben Simmons had pretty brutal reputations until they both got traded for each other. But how did that happen? A bunch of backdoor deals, a bunch of really quiet people saying things very quietly. Phil Mickelson didn't do that. Like he was extremely quiet on this front for a long time. Maybe he thought he was. He probably did think he was. And frankly, his comments were from November, published in February. He probably thought he was kind of going scotch-free on this. That's why he Mm -hmm. was backing up Charlie Hoffman when Charlie Hoffman was acting like a dingus, for lack of a better term. That's why he was you know, actively going and, and there must have been better terms <laughs> than a dingus. I thought that that was pretty good, actually. <laughs> uh, this happens in all sports, honestly, every month of the year. It's tricky with golf. There is no union. You know, everyone has a different agent. Getting more money from what is a nonprofit organization has got to be a hell of an inve- endeavor. But with all the hindsight in the world, he obviously played his cards extremely incorrectly. And so the, 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 the cards fell, you know, the chips fell, whatever your analogy is there. It's done. Like Phil is on timeout. Who, kn- who knows when it's going to end? <laughs> Let's dumb this down. Cause now we've gone past the five-year-olds, the 10-year-olds, the 15-year-olds. Let's get back to your buddy. That's asking you, do you say, well, look, Phil kind of, he's wading into, deeper waters he he got what he deserved he's going to be fine etc what like what's your enduring takeaway for your buddies uh i think my enduring takeaway is that he's like i said he's on timeout he is he's going to go back he's going to seed back into you know behind the curtains now he said i'm taking some time away he he might play the masters who knows he, he might defend his title at the PGA Championship. I could see him not doing that. I could see him really taking a taking a step back, um, and then maybe trying to poke his head out and, and test the waters in a couple months. There's going to be more information that comes out about what he was involved with theoretically yeah. at Live Golf in the next couple months. It might be safer for him to do it at that point. A guy like Jason Kokrak, whose chips and cards are on the table. That dude's going to be okay with being associated with this Saudi back. I mean, yeah, my man's got golf Saudi on his golf bag. I think like Jason Kokrak is there at this point. Phil cannot be the lead man, but he might be able to still be involved with what he wants to do. He said in his statement, golf needs change. I don't think he's giving up. I'm not sure that that I wouldn't rule out him being the lead man. I don't think that that's not right away, though. That's kind of what I'm saying. The next few months, oh, yeah. he's nothing not is going to happen man. right away. It feels like nothing, period, is going to happen right away. I mean, the PGA Tour pros were declaring this thing dead in the water. Uh, you know, Bryson and DJ have committed like t- 
to to paraphrase Rory McIlroy, who's left? You know, there's not a compelling list of yeah. tour players that are going to immediately start a break. That's just Rory saying scoreboard though, on like a game that's at halftime. That's him saying, Hey, we're up twenty right now. Yeah. Can you, can you guys beat us or are we gonna blow you out? And we'll yeah. find out what happens in the second half. They probably the PGA tour probably will win this little battle, right? But Rory saying scoreboard doesn't mean, you know, the coffin is being lowered into the ground. This thing's still very much alive, simmering <laughs> at some point. Uh, we got a knows? lot of metaphors crisscrossing hey, around right That's now. That's what I happens like on the drop zone. Let's move you on. Talk about Daniel Berger. <laughs> I guess we can. My take on Daniel Berger today, having watched all of it, is I think the first three holes when you have a big lead are the most important holes you play like all day. Remember when Hideki had a four-shot lead at the Masters this past year? I think it was a four-shot mm-hmm. lead on Sunday. His first tee shot scared a lot of people around the tee because it was going sailing out and to the right. And I don't exactly remember where it landed. I think he made par on the first hole regardless. But it was like, holy cow, this dude needs to kind of settle in these first few holes so that he can actually try and chase this major. That's what I saw from Daniel Berger today is like when those cracks form, if they form in those first three holes, it's it's kind of hard to grab onto the steering wheel and even things out, especially when the field is like Shane Lowry played really well in those first three holes too. Berger just really played defensive golf the entire day. Could never play attacking golf. His birdies were just on chip-ins. He kind didn't of make insane. A, really insane. More insane if you watched every second of it. Um, compare that with Sepp Straka, who played like attacking, I want to come back and win this thing golf. That's the difference there. Berger on the defense. I don't think that Daniel Berger made a three-foot putt all day. Yeah. I think I, I, saw, I think I saw that. The- Kyle Porter tweeted that out. Longest putt he made, 29 inches. Yeah, that's chiming in at just under two and a half feet. So that's not great for the, the score. Uh, Daniel Berger asked about it afterwards. Essentially was asked the same question eight different ways, which was basically like, what the hell happened out there? And he said about eight different ways, you know, nothing really, just golf. (laughs) So uh, I think... I I wonder if he's right. Yeah. I mean, I think whether or not he's right, it's probably the best takeaway for him. Uh, He said, yeah, just a poor round. It can happen at any time. I'm not going (laughs) to dwell on it too much. Just didn't hit quality shots at the right time. Probably would have had a chance to win if I made a few more putts. You know what? You're right so, about that, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a better self-image than saying, yeah, man, I choked this one away. This is going to really haunt my dreams for well, a while. You don't, yeah. you don't necessarily need to put that energy out there. That's the public like self-image he's going to lead with. Yes. Um, internally, this is a dude that runs pretty hot. He's He's mm-hmm. a pretty fiery dude. He wants to, he wants to beat you badly. Like I think he desperately wanted to take that five shot lead and win by eight or nine today. Um, internally, he's he's cussing at himself a little bit. I saw him cuss at himself on the golf course today. Like I think it's okay that he says that to reporters after the round because he knows that's what he's supposed to do. He's a pro yeah. athlete. He was raised by a pro athlete. This is what we do when we talk to reporters, even if it makes for a worse story. And, you know, if he gets redemption next week, won't be quite as fun because today was just golf. But 
What do you know, Sean, about Sepp Straka, if anything? <laughs> I know he's from Austria. I know he went to Georgia, and I know he he roommate he was roommates with uh, Keith Mitchell. That's it. Yes, that's Georgia, the university, not the country. <laughs> the country. Somewhat close to Austria, not that close. Uh, yes, he was leading Big the dude. Olympics. Large dude. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, and that was talking Seb Straka. Um, uh, I was trying to think when I was watching him today, what event was he leading? Because he, you're right. The Olympics. He, he shot like 63. You were on, there. I know. Uh, yeah. I think I think I remember thinking, <laughs> wait, is this guy going to win the gold? <laughs> like after day one at the Olympics. Um, he faded after that. But uh, has all the game, right? Like just another incarnation of Georgia Bulldog winning on the PGA Tour could totally win, I'm sure, another couple couple times in his career. Is he going to be a world beater? No. Right? Well, yeah, but, you know, for today, we can today. honor his victory and Absolutely. say that it was a... It's it's interesting whenever you get a clubhouse leader who ends up the winner. I think he only outlasted, like, one group. But uh, when you get someone... I don't think he even made that, it to the clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, no, he made it to the clubhouse. He was watching Shane Lowry uh, try to make about a 40 footer for birdie on the last hole shane lowry got a brutal break uh because he had to hit his tee shot on 18 which is a crucial tee shot because it dictates whether you can go for the green and two lowry hit it in a downpour um yeah had to lay off tough did not make birdie uh lowry i think said worst break of his career yeah um he had to hit it. He had to hit more shots in the pouring rain than Sepp Straka. One more shot, by the way. Yeah, Sepp Straka did his approach shot in the yeah, pouring rain. Exactly. Though, right. So Shane Lowry hit a yeah. crappy drive, a very ba- <laughs> a very bad drive, and I think at that point he was he was running uphill. Um, and that's just kind of it's not an easy hole to make to make birdie on from the fairway. Like the pin is absolutely tucked. So. I sort of opted out of this week, Sean. I got to be completely honest with our listeners. That much yeah, is clear. I watched. I, I checked in on the leaderboard. I, I watched some golf when it was available to me. But I think that I'm guessing some of our listeners can relate to this. The Honda Classic, not every week can be of equal importance. So this week, you know, you can take some different things out of it. You can say, look, shout out to Kurt Kitayama. Nice solo third finish uh you know you can appreciate some of the guys that are on there you can appreciate that the honda classic is just a brutal test it's a fun sort of it's a fun off week because it's hard golf it's different style of golf and uh it makes for a nice finish come sunday and i was able to enjoy that today but i'm i'm kind of ready for the next stretch of golf because it's getting good yeah it's getting good uh we have the players coming up we got arnie's tournament this weekend match play always a lot of fun and then the masters let's not stop there though we haven't even mentioned greg norman oh wow did we did did you did you blow by that because you don't really care about greg norman's writing or do you think it's not that significant to this um to this no look i'm I'm endlessly fascinated by any letter that begins the way this letter began (laughs) how did it how did it begin dramatic reading (laughs) Dear Commissioner Monahan, surely you jest. 
And surely your lawyers at the PGA Tour must be holding their breath. I thought we were in for this thing to like rhyme the entire time. I just, I mean, what on earth? What was, he goes on to make some, uh, I don't intriguing points. Fair, fair, intriguing, uh, up for debate in, in court points. Mm-hmm. And, and that might be our future, frankly. Um, he, he, <laughs> the, the sweetest thing he did beyond starting it with Shirley, you jest was he called the players championship, the administration's championship, <laughs> which is <laughs> like, right. I think something I'm comfortable moving forward with myself. Um, yeah. So Greg Norman is saying, I'm not going down without a fight. Greg Norman is saying you cannot ban players it, that would create, um, uh, that would that would that would create you um, into a, a monopoly, which I think you are. Yeah. Um, that would be telling players, and that would be first off not uh, enriching the world of golf, and that would be going against bylaws um, of your five hundred one c six nonprofit organization. And you know, he even he even used um, a lawyer from the Federal Trade Commission, and who used to do some. Pretty important work. Um, an article that that guy wrote, you know, how flimsy is that take? It's, it's kind of hard to say, but I think if Live yeah. Golf Investments doesn't get a golf league to take off, they will at least argue for one in the court of law. Here's where I'm a little bit confused, and and I, I, I just don't really agree with the fact that there's some big conspiracy against the tour players. This is what Norman's letter says. For decades, the tour has put its own financial ambitions ahead of the players, and every player on the tour knows it. Who, what does that mean? Who are these mysterious shadow figures that are getting all that are reaping the benefits of the PGA Tour? Like, is it because it's a nonprofit and they donate a lot to charity? Yeah. Is that the issue here? These damn is charities. It, I mean, yes, maybe you could argue that the PGA Tour is building cash reserves that are in excess of what it needs to. Um, but that was proven wrong last year, two years ago in the pandemic. Like, yeah, yeah, they don't have as much cash on hand as they, as you might suspect. I don't know. I I guess it's just the, my issue is that Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson are acting as if they are somehow now uncovering some sort of, uh, some sort of flaw in the free market that is opening up all this new money. And in reality, they have just run into a vein of money that has a very specific end to it that does not exist to turn a profit, which is, you know, to some extent what the PGA Tour is trying to do. This new league, there's just there's a blank check attached to it. It does not operate in the real world where the uh, the numbers all have to add up and where the, you know, your incomes have to outweigh your your outcomes, your spending at the end of the year. That's not the point of this new league. So to come in and be like, look, you guys are missing the point. You're not having the players backs. That part just fundamentally like rubs me the wrong way to begin with. Yeah. And I think that's fine. Um, I, I do still think the thing we have to point out is that, as you said, Greg Norman has 
he makes some points that can be argued in his favor. They can be. They the were argued Tour. 20 years ago. They didn't go that well for him. Things are different now. Maybe it'll be different this time. <laughs> things are and things are definitely yeah. different now. Um, broadcast rights have gone crazy um, in yes. terms of the golf's general net revenue. Um, so yeah, things are different now. And what is interesting, I'm, I'm sure a lot of Drop Zone listeners at this point have read about this. It feels like it's a 50-50 battle. Like I I feel like I've I've listened to experts say, you know, the PGA Tour is going to win again and it's not going to be close. I've listened to experts mm, say the PGA yeah. Tour they they can't stand on on this. Like this is not going to this is going to at least lead to some change. Yeah. So non-competitive. So that is what I mean like Greg Norman asked players and their agents, if the PGA Tour says they're going to ban you, Make sure they put it in writing, get it down on paper because yeah. <clears throat> one will use that against them Two, I don't think they want to do that. That's why Greg Norman has said to, to PGA tour players and their agents. And you know what? Like there, there's a small group, but there is a group of players. I think that will push the PGA tour to do this. We mentioned Jason Kokrak. He's kind of an easy guy to mention at this point. There's a couple others. I think that this, that will be something that they try to do. So like that, if that's the, the thread of the yarn that Greg Norman yanks on as hard as he can to unravel the PGA tour, that wouldn't surprise me is kind of what I'm getting to. Yeah. <clears throat> Fair. All right. I'm done with this for this week, Sean. I'm, <laughs> Good. I'm out. I, I'm I, out of fuel and I'll, I'll just tell you why it's because it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like there's anything material that is happening right now. Everyone has sort of, put their stake in the ground. We're with the PGA tour, except for Phil Mickelson, who said, hang on, you yeah. know, let me get back to you. Well, and so until something beyond, you know, look, I will, I will enjoy surely you jest, but for now I, I but, can't muster any more energy. So on this many until people, something happens. I tweeted out the article, I think first actually, or, or the letter, excuse me. And so it shot out. It got some traction. It's not a big deal. Breaking news. But so many people responded to, don't call me Shirley. <laughs> I uh, mean, and then, yeah, he ended the letter. We should point out, Commissioner, this is just the beginning. It certainly is not the end. Does he not sound oh, like a Bond villain at this point? You will not see. This is not the last you'll see of me. This is just the beginning. And um, he's, you know, he's right. He, this is not the end. But. Look, it's it's the middle, and the middle is dragging. Yes, that's true. All right, let's move on. I really hope people are still listening to this podcast. We're 30, they are. 30 40 minutes in. No and doubt. um I think this could be the most fun little segment to wrap things up. Dylan, a couple of weeks ago, I tweeted out while watching Jordan Spieth play his first down. I don't remember what, what tournament it was. It might have been this the uh the Phoenix Open. But I, I was watching Spieth yeah. and I tweeted out I would pay good money to ESPN Plus. You know, they are now the provider of the early round coverage, PGA Tour Live. ESPN Plus, give me a speed feed. I want every Jordan shot. I want every Jordan mannerism. I want everything he does during his round of golf. I want it on its own little feed. Him and Greller, every conversation. I want it. And you know what I also want? I want no broadcasters talking over it. I want just one, one or two cameras, one boom mic uh, operator, and I want Spieth and Greller in all their glory. And the tweet uh, got 
again, another great tweet of mine. It took off. I mean, yeah, just shout out to you for, <laughs> for the guy with the tweets. Uh, a lot of people agreed. A lot of people said, you're going to be wasting your time because Jordan is slow and he complains and he talks to himself in a weird way. So maybe 25% of people like hated the idea. 75% of people were all in on the idea. And I have been thinking about it since. This is kind of what Phil Mickelson could stand to benefit from if ESPN plus would create a Phil Mickelson feed. That's a, that's a revenue stream of the PGA tour that maybe could get directly put into Phil's pocket, but let's we're done with Phil. We've agreed to be done with Phil. What I've asked you to do is prepare some individual feeds based off of circumstances uh, that you can create up on your own. I created up the speed feed, no broadcasters, one cameraman, one boom mic operator, him and Greller, uh, with no one talking over them, all 72 holes. That's a speed feed. What feed do you want to create? All right. You asked me to come up with five, I believe, Sean. <laughs> I've also so come up I with have... four more. So you need me to buy you some time. All right. Number one, Tommy Fleetwood in the wind. Hell yeah. Uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, the knockdown shots, the creativity, the wonderful golf game, and then just to see that majestic flow kind of kicking around in the wind. That's number one. Darwin, do you want to alternate Let's here? alternate. Uh, I tweeted it out again today. Shane Lowry in tough conditions on a mm -hmm. tough golf course. Now, tough sure. conditions can mean a lot of different things, but this is the man that won at Portrush. You saw him do it there. Wind and rain. <clears throat> Absolute ball striking fiend. Like this dude was, he was born to hit a six iron. Is kind of how no, I think. Well, no word on whether he was also battling the ruthless food poisoning doled out to yours truly in Portrush that <laughs> but, fine weekend. Hey, but Shane anyway, Lowry. In tough conditions, he would be the guy also that I would probably pick to to handle a little bit of food poisoning, a little <laughs> undercooked chicken. The uh, the most famous photo of Shane Lowry's life that didn't take place at Portrush took place when he won the Irish Open as an amateur in the pouring rain. So Shane Lowry, tough course, tough tournament, tough conditions. The guy is just a wizard with his wedges, and I would love to watch it. You're up. Patrick Reed. <laughs> Any situation. No, any Patrick, Reed, Patrick Reed doing rules things only. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, my understanding of this game was that, you know, no, essentially right. this is some, this is where you have to watch someone for 18 holes. Yes. But I think that's the whole point, right? Patrick Reed's point would be, hey, look, you guys are taking things out of context. You know, <laughs> you only zoom in when something weird happens with a, a bounce in a soggy area and a couple of camera angles. Show me the Patrick Reed feed, and there's you know less doubt about what happens. When, there was a video the other day that circulated. He was wiping off his wedge <laughs> with the inside of his pocket, looked a little bit nefarious just because kind of, of all the move. context we have around Patrick Reed. But I would say overall, Patrick Reed was ruled innocent in that case. Dude is wearing Reed's, white pants. He doesn't want to get dirt on the outside of his white pants, so right? he goes to the inside. Patrick Reed's. Best chance at complete and total exoneration is for a 24-7 feed where he stays within the boundaries of the rules of golf. Okay. Or if he doesn't, then then we'd know. I'm going to accept that. And uh, this is a bit of a cliche one, but I'm going Brooks Kepka at the majors. Brooks Kepka playing in a major championship. I want to see every single shot he takes. 
you and I have been. How does he do it? He, yeah. People don't think that this is a thing. I think I didn't think that this was a thing for a long time, that Brooks Kepka has the magic pixie dust that just works at major championships across the world. But He's it, got it. But it is a thing. It's a thing. I can't explain it, but the guy makes more 10-foot putts, it seems, on tough golf courses when it's decidedly a major than when he does at the Phoenix Open, than when he does at the Honda Classic. And he likes to say that it's because he focuses more. He he lets fewer distractions in. Maybe he, maybe he turns his phone off. He doesn't go on Instagram. He lets fewer people come over to the house during the week. But it works. And it's actually really fun to watch because it's like, I feel like eventually he's going to shoot like 61 in a major, this like preposterous number at a tough golf course. And we're all going to be like, oh, well, yeah, Brooks at a major. And it'll still be like unimpressive because he's the one who did it. My next one is a little bit more artisanal, Sean, and it is Abraham answer whenever he's around the green. Oh, just, I mean, th- this is kind of a deep cut, but he's just has one of the most interesting, creative short games, not a shot at his height, but <laughs> I think it of is once you mentioned on tour <laughs> of any player on tour. He's the guy that seems to have the most, uh, the most clever shots. He plays a lot of bump and runs. He, you know, will hit something into the side of the hill. Uh, I just really like the way Abe handles his wedges around the green. Yeah. There, there's w- not really a joke associated there. It's just, I wouldn't have expected that. I know you're, you're pals with Abe and you've seen it up close. And uh, he maybe maybe kicked your ass in the closest to the pin competition with some wedges in hand. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's what's happening here. That's a good point. Another cliche, but a, a little bit more targeted. I want to see every single shot that Tiger Woods hits in Lynx golf. Mm-hmm. I want I want yeah. If 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 Tiger was healthy and said I'm playing the Irish Open followed by the Scottish Open followed by the British Open, I would pay so much money to watch every single shot he hits in all of those competitions. He can miss the cut in every event, and I'd still get six rounds of pure Tiger just dealing with the wind, hitting these low shots that run out, hitting a stinger off the tee at these firm, fast links courses that are brown and are ignoring green. Like, take my money. Take a lot of my money. I know you would sign up for that. I mean, 100%. Yeah, that's, it's probably the best one. And the only knock on that is that it basically already exists. It already it's happens. It's called the broadcast. You know, that is, <laughs> if Tiger Woods is hitting a golf shot, you are going to see it. Yes, um, that's true. Guaranteed. Tyrrell Hatton. I wrote down Tyrrell Hatton that's my last after one. a good round. <laughs> well, Keep so I wrote talking. down Tyrrell Hatton after a good round. And then I realized that Tyrrell Hatton after a bad round may be even more entertaining. So... Overall, I would just say the message would be I would like to watch Tyrrell Hatton when he is playing golf, uh, especially when he's in contention, but also maybe if just, he's fading. Just when he's on edge. So <laughs> just a lot of yes. Tyrrell Hatton, what passionate. You, what Tyrell you want can. is I think you want Tyrrell Hatton fresh off of a missed cut. So he's like upset with how he played last week. It's on the it's on his mind. It's fresh. Um, but he could bounce back and he can make golf at his best looked like boringly easy or he could struggle. All those demons from last week could show themselves uh, and he's suddenly more entertaining than anyone. He is the most entertaining player on the planet. Um, So I think that exists. I think maybe Tyrrell Hatton 
maybe you turn it on for the back nine when you know he's going to miss the cut. Like we got mm. back nine Hatton today to, you know, he shot 76 yesterday and suddenly we're going to get you the back nine of, of him as he's definitely getting on a private jet in a couple hours because he's out of here. I would, can I rescind my previous one? Cause I just looked up Abraham answers, chipping stats. <laughs> they are horrendous. See, you are year, biased. So. You're totally biased. Yeah, that's just some bias. So I would like to in 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 place of Abraham answered, give me a feed of every player's biggest weakness. You know, I want to cut into Will Zalatoris while he's staring down a three foot putt. I want to see Phil Mickelson oh staring down a tight tee shot. These immortal the weakness incredible feed. golfers. Show me the weakness feed. Give me the relatable feed. Um who else am I not thinking of now? I mean, whoever has the the chipping yips at a given moment, we should see every single moment of that. There's a line where this becomes cruel and unusual. Nope. Nope. But we haven't gotten there yet. Nope. The weakness feed, I think, is my second <laughs> favorite behind Tiger Woods playing Lynx golf because, I mean, that's where Tyrell Hatton, fresh off a missed cut, would, you know, he'd be popping up. You'd be, uh, why are we... Why are we? Yeah. <laughs> Rory McIlroy from 115 yards with a wedge in his hand in the fairway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. We've got Rory. with Let, it. let me see him hit it to left 40 to right feet. wind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man, this needs to be a thing. I think I'm sold on this idea. Yeah. I think you're going to write an article about it tomorrow. All right. Well, <laughs> I mean, we can't go up from here. Nope. Uh, did you have any others? Did you jot down anything else? I wrote something about John Rahm when he's, charging like a bull i wrote something about martin trainer when he's near the cut line which is that's probably <laughs> more of a personal feed for for a drop zone fans yeah i thought i went so far you know all with all due respect to this guy i went so far as to think i should include rory charging rory rory who uh has that pep in his step rory who maybe at a wet golf course <laughs> if it's yeah. been raining um, when his drivers dialed, I thought about doing that, but then I thought, I haven't seen that dude do this in a long time. Oh man. Also my, I was thinking about Rory too, and he's maybe graduating away like, from that, like seven or eight shots back Rory. That's the guy that I would like to have a <laughs> sure. feed of. But then I was thinking like, look, he's still going to pop up on the broadcast. If he makes any sort of charge, they'll get to him. I don't know. But I think that that would still be a good feed, though, because there he still does sneak up on you sometimes. And he hasn't been converting those into victories, but he's been converting them into into hope, hmm. which is a powerful, powerful currency. <sighs> yep. Hopefully, <laughs> if we're going to use that, hopefully Rory can do it soon. Um, I want to see it again. I got to see it like more the, feeds. The beginning of my golf career was peak Rory winning those three tournaments in a row in, in 2014. And neither of us have been the same ever since. Um, that's enough, I think, for the feed the feed discussion. If you have a good idea for a feed, you got to tweet it at us. You got to text it to us, um, email us, however you get into us, because I think it is a fun discussion. And uh, we clearly- Is that a rude thing I said about Will Zalatoris' putting? No, my God. <laughs> Show us every cleanup, every second putt that he takes. All right. Well, that's been the drop zone, Sean. As always, feel free to go check out our friends at radmoregolf.com, R-A-D-M-O-R, golf.com. 
discount code coming soon and we will be back next week thanks for listening